for the ninth time in a row, Max Verstappen really, truly has the whole world in his hands. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. I love that Jason in our chat had the exact same thought that I did. Uh, rest in peace to Terry Funk and the great Bray Wyatt. Very, very much missed in the world of wrestling. Hi, everybody. I'm Dre Harrison. Welcome to episode 466 of Motorsport 101. Glad you could join us as ever because we had a Formula One race. We're back after the summer break. Formula One is back. I love the summer break. You know why I love the summer break? Because everybody talks about how much they miss Formula One for the four weeks it's gone. And then when it comes back, they're immediately reminded, oh, wait, what was I missing again? Um <laughs> Well, Dre, as we all know, no one hates Formula One quite like Formula One fans. Yeah. No, like, like like Vegeta in Dragon Ball Z, the only person who gets to kill Kakarot is me. Um, if anybody else does it, then they're not allowed to do it. But us F1 fans, we're allowed to, to be horrible about the sport. It's fine, <laughs> as, as you know. Joining me, as always, on M101 this week, we got RJ O'Connell. Hello, sir. Howdy, y'all. Yeah, um, tough week in the world of wrestling. Mm. Terry Funk lived a wonderfully, wonderfully awesome life. Wrestled for <laughs> multiple decades and was awesome in pretty much all of them. <sighs> Wyndham Rotunda, just gone, gone way too soon. And, you know, the thing about Bray Wyatt is that not all of the out-of-the-box stuff that he would do creatively worked. Some of it was goofy, but at least he was willing to try shit. And not a lot of people do that anymore. And that's going to be sorely missed, along with pretty much... I mean, it's it's tough, man. (sighs) Yeah, horrible, horrible news. Um, We... we, we borrow a lot of pro wrestling stuff in our show and we, we, we all like most of us that have that have been on this show in the history of this show have been inspired by pro wrestling i think out of the five main hosts we've had over over the last nine years i think four at least four of us i, were, I think i'm the only outlier really exactly i was gonna say i think four out of the five of us were have all been huge wrestling fans so horrible 24 hours in pro wrestling where we lost terry funk and Wyndham rotunda in the space of a day just shock out of nowhere then and, and Wyndham was just 36 um a heart attack off the back of COVID-19 complications just horrible horrible news to hear to hear about that and you know, as, as RJ alluded to one of the genuinely great minds in professional wrestling like one of the genuinely brilliant creative people that this industry needs and thrives on yeah not everything worked but that's the beauty of creativity not everything is going to work but the stuff that often does can often shine very very Dude, bright the firefly and- funhouse match from, oh. from the covid wrestlemania like incredible that, that that was arguably the highlight of the first lockdown era in the sport absolutely the, the, it was nothing, nothing else competes yeah, just the, what they got John Cena to do, how Bray played into that, the creativity, the what you could get away with. Um, I, 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 I thought it was fantastic television. I, I recommend it's, it's up for free on WWE's YouTube channel. Go out of your way to watch it. It certainly hits a little bit different now for sad reasons, but uh, a, 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 a very sad uh, 24 hours in pro wrestling, certainly. And uh, uh, thoughts and prayers go out to the families. Yeah. I know, I know we had, had a very young family as well, which is just devastating to hear. No one, the 36 is no age for anybody. There are members of our Discord server that are older than that which is just startling yeah yeah, it's it's crazy to even say the least but we needed to get that off our chest yeah yeah, it was it was on our minds cam how you feeling buddy cam buckley is with us too uh yes i after a a short departure involving i'm not even going to get into the why the technical issues were occurring but uh, safe to say, um, my Wi-Fi, my Wi-Fi router now occupies its own shelf away <laughs> from all other things, away from the prying eyes of other people. Probably yeah, away, away from all those cats that just keep knocking shit off the shelves, man. When I have cats. <laughs> we'll go with to us. Um, you know, and, and I'm very disappointed to, uh, have missed the mid, kind of the mid table review. 
with F1 because I would have roasted these two incessantly for spending a half hour peer pressuring me on our preseason review out of calling Red Bull winning every race. Because, dear God, they're going to win every race. <laughs> I, I'm almost like, I'm almost like accepted, accepted my fate here now. And we still have, what, eight races left? Like, it's... it's nine more, <laughs> I think. Nine, it's nine. It's, yeah, it's 22. So In got no- fairness to Trey, your pessimism about a driver that we'll talk about later on was founded up until about Friday afternoon during the middle of free practice too. And then AlphaTauri didn't have a choice. Yes. Um, it, it's been a, it's been quite the newsworthy yep. weekend coming out of Zandvoort uh, to say the least. Um, yes. As you can probably guess by now, Max Verstappen did indeed make some history um, becoming just the third driver in the history of F1 to win nine consecutive Grand Prix, Red Bull still perfect on the year. Max Verstappen has 46 Grand Prix wins now. It, it, like, I, I can't even wrap my head around that a guy that's that's 26 years of age is has got 46 Grand Prix wins to his name. That's just utterly terrifying. Um, he had to work a little harder for this one, mostly because we had two massive deluges of rain over the course of... Uh, over the course of this race, um, one right at the start on the opening lap, the other one around lap 60 or so that, that wreaked havoc with the field. Um, molded, we, had, we had a red flag at the end. We had the, the field being jumbled up. We had teams maximizing, winning and losing on strategy. We'll get into all of that as well. Maximizing and minimizing. Oh, without question. And... We we had a, another debutant take part in this F1 season because, as RJ alluded to, Daniel Ricciardo didn't take any further part in this weekend after Friday, after breaking a bone in his hand, broke a metacarpal in his hand after after a nasty crash into the upper banking at turn three. And Liam Lawson would make his Formula One debut maybe in the eyes of some a little earlier than expected. So uh, we'll get into some of that as well. So... Yeah, loaded Zanvoy episode to get through here. But basically, you can find us real quick. We are on motorsport101.com. That is our website. Uh, my latest DRI is now out on uh, Zanvoort. It includes 10 short stories about this race and the chaos that was the rain and how it played up on most of the field in general. You can check that out on the blog section of our website, motorsport101.com. You can follow us on Twitter at motorsport underscore 101. You can follow us on Instagram at motorsport101pod. You can follow us personally on Twitter. I still refuse to call it X. Um, at Harrison... I was my old username for a second there. At Dre underscore WTF1. At RJ O'Connell. And at CBuckley917. And if you're really like us, you can back us financially on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. This will be the last episode. Actually, we'll probably get both of these last episodes out um, for this week on this and IndyCar and Gateway, which is coming up later on in the week as well. They will be also under the $1 promotion. So for all of the month of August, all our ready episodes will be available for the bare minimum to be a Patreon backer, just a single one of your freedom dollars. So if you want to back us, there is no better time to do that than right now. So patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. Get that in there. If you get back us at the $10 level, you can also listen to these episodes live as they're being recorded on Riverside. Shout out to Jason in the chat as, as always for joining us and hope you enjoyed the show. Um, and yeah, let's get into the 2023 Formula One Dutch Grand Prix at Zandvoort. It's race week again. We made it. And the same old things applied. It was a historic victory for Max Verstappen in his home race at Zandvoort. Max won on home soil for the third year in a row, surviving two bouts of heavy rain and having to come back from Sergio Perez briefly holding the lead to win his 46th Grand Prix and most importantly, tying the great Alberto Ascari and Sebastian Vettel to win his ninth Formula One Grand Prix in a row. Trey, just how many of these can he rack up? The terrifying thing is, is that I don't know. I can't give you a, a prediction on this because right now, barring shenanigans, if there is no outside influence that affects a Verstappen Grand Prix, he's winning. 
He's been flawless. Like, it's not just like he's come back from adversity or he's had to, you know, scratch and claw for every win he's had in this nine race. Like, like, look, you're talking to the peak Sebastian Vettel fan here. I was there when Vettel won nine in a row. To, he's to, in the trenches. To close out 2013. He did not make it look as easy as it sounded. There was a couple in there that were real hard-fought Grand Prix in there. Like, like I remember Japan. Japan. Remember Grosjean yep. was a threat and a half that day. Grosjean drove the nuts off that of Lotus. Race. No, um, yeah. It, to it, be fair, if if Lotus had not gotten outboxed tactically, Roman Grosjean wins that Japanese Grand Prix, and they probably take third or second in the constructors' championship. And we think of Roman Grosjean's time in F one a lot differently than we do now. I digress. Uh, well, the thing is with that is that, you know, that played back, you know, 10 years ago with the other thing that's making Red Bull such a just a, an unstoppable force. It's not just the car and Max, it's the pit wall. Because generally speaking, in the context of this race where they had everything thrown at them, they pretty much landed every call perfectly. Yeah. Um, they, they timed. The only thing that you could say they mistimed and they really didn't in certain ways was that initial switch to enters at the start of the race for max because they pitted them one after another so many people were in the pit lane and it's such a small pit lane at zanforth that max probably would have lost out more you know trying to double stack behind perez in a crowded pit lane yeah um so you know swings and roundabouts for that but they are just so well oiled right now it's not really a whole lot for me to add dre says shenanigans are the only way well shenanigans were a constant at zanvort this weekend mm. rain he did not hold the lead throughout the whole race although it didn't exactly take him long to start running perez down um and such is their performance advantage that they don't really need to take a lot of risk they can just go about a race methodically and work their way back from a problem yeah their execution remains pretty much flawless like yes they kept max out on lap one they probably shouldn't have done but i can understand why they didn't you don't want to stack your cars in the pit lane especially one as, as, as dangerous as anvil potentially it's one of the worst of the year for that um besides that they were flawless everywhere else every pit it, stop was under three seconds they, they had a couple they of 2.2s back to back 2.2s one of which was in the pouring rain yeah Pour in rain conditions. They 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 slapped those into when it was a deluge in the pit lane on lap sixty one when Max came in for intermediate tires, and it was a two point two second stop in the soaking wet. It's incredible stuff. Like they're like the pit crew is the best in the business. The strategy department has been virtually flawless all year long. And, and in that strategy move initially with Perez, you know, as much as it. As much as Perez's finish, which we'll get to a little bit later, probably isn't as indicative of how he drove as it probably should have been. Yeah. That initial call to bring in him in on inters jumped him from you know down bottom half of the top ten to the lead. Did yeah. you see the graph that F1 posted where it has like the movement of the entire grid from All lap one down. to lap six, <laughs> and it's just like this looks like a rat's nest of computer wire there is no cable management going on at all in this case yeah you would need a bomb <laughs> diffusal unit to make to untangle that mess um, the orange wire which one <laughs> like there's, there's 14 <laughs> of them here um, um yeah i mean i mean such is the, the the performance gulf specifically with max and the rb19 together to the field that it's going to take a mechanical or someone spearing him at turn one. Yeah. There's just that's... nothing else that can do it. If, if he dropped down the field from a lap one crash and stayed in the race with minimal damage, I would still bet on him to win at this point. He's, you know, when I knew this was over lap seven of this race, where on an undercut to go back onto slick tires after that, after the brief intermediate spell, Verstappen put down an outlap that was four seconds faster than Perez, and I was just like, uh, "No, they were they were still on inters at that point." Oh, they're still on inters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first, yeah, like it, it was it was he, on raw pace. He was four seconds faster than Perez. Just, just took four seconds out of him on a one minute and we twenty had, second lap. 
Yeah, and at least the Sky feed was on Max for that whole lap, and it's just dancing the car through the corners, completely on the limit, but not going over it. And it was the same deal with the qualifying lap. I mean, he looked vulnerable all the way throughout Q3, only to drill almost six tenths on the field. In what was essentially a a one-lap qualifying session, because we had time for one dry run at the end after Charles Leclerc crashed in qualifying and turned it into a four-minute session. So it was it was one run and you're done. And Max, who didn't look particularly quick in changeable conditions, all of a sudden finds half a second on the field again. It's, it wasn't a perfect lap. He messed up turn one pretty badly. Yeah, he and, and Lando just... Norris, who shared the front row, they, Norris was probably half a tenth ahead through, through, you know, through, through to the first bridge. And then after that, Max just absolutely tore him open like a tin of sardines. It was it was ridiculous. But yeah, he's, he's just untouchable. Yeah, uh, the the back to the crux of the question. Without a mechanical failure, he could realistically run the table for the rest of the year. I don't doubt it. We're in awe. We're in awe that this is going on. And like, in terms of like out and out entertainment, this is this is like terrible. This is like Bayern Munich winning. <laughs> yeah, we're having a. We're having to look for million, entertainment throughout the rest of the field because league titles in a row, or whatever they're on right now. Uh, <laughs> there is like, no intrigue at the front of this field. So Not why don't ounce. we? Well, in that case, why don't we step over towards the back of the group? Because if you didn't hear, the race was dramatically altered by two bouts of heavy rain. One on the opening lap, which created that whole mess in the first six laps. Again, think computer case terrible cable management, and the other on lap 60 with a dozen to go where an entire wall of precipitation came out over Zamborg. And the ocean actually a- tsunamied over the track. Such, yeah. such was the rainfall. The Atlantic just dropped in the middle of Zanvoort. And because uh, they're, they're, nobody runs in the wet anymore because the tires aren't fit for purpose, we had a red flag. We eventually did finish with six green flag laps without a disaster. We had Mercedes going up and down the field. We had pit lane stacks. We had Joe Guan Yu and Yuki Tsunoda in the top five, and so much so. So, who do you think made the most and least of the rain conditions? Or did anybody else just surprise you from this weekend? Um, Didn't think Fernando Alonso would bounce back as well as he did. That was I didn't s- think so either. Remember no. our last episode, I was confident Aston Martin had already scored their last podium of the season. Wrong. Major, major floor upgrade for them this weekend, and fair play to them. They were pretty fucking fast all the way through the weekend. Yeah, Alonso was on it all weekend long. Didn't qualify particularly well, but like first lap, he that dispatched, first lap was magic. He dispatched Alex Albon and George Russell through turn three. Double move into the first corner on the opening lap. All of a sudden, he's running third. The man um, is the best starter in the sport for a reason. Probably mm-hmm. ever. He, like, I've never seen anything like it from him. And then, pick, like, even after a bad pit stop towards the end of that race, he gained back the time lost past Carlos Sainz on the road. And when Perez screwed up at the end, which we'll get to in a minute, he was he was running second. It was a genuine second. His first fastest lap, by the way, in a Grand Prix since Hungary 2017 Oof. for Fernando Alonso. So, um, yeah, that's funny. Um, shout out to him. That was probably like, and he's already had a fleet of these, but in a, a, another outstanding performance from Fernando Alonso. Second place, matches his best result of the year and gives him a 12-point lead over Hamilton now in the fight for third in the championship. So, Critical points for Fernando Alonso. Nineteen of them um, in that race. Yeah, in that fight for uh, second in the constructors because it kind of feels like they're fighting with one arm tied behind their back. Um, although did Lance finished eleventh, didn't he? Eleventh, yeah, yeah. Hundred and twenty points behind his teammate now through through thirteen rounds. It's not great, is but it? Carlos, but Carlos Sainz doesn't have a podium, so he's clearly the biggest disappointment, it seems. Carlos Sainz, uh, let, let's unpack, you know, in a real throwback weekend for us, let's unpack some Ferrari trauma. They were fucking <laughs> terrible this weekend. Um, they, I mean, that car, is, that car is balls. 
Um, it looked like it was trying to kill both of them all weekend. Charles crashed in qualifying. He crashed slightly in the race on lap one, which basically clipped his front wing, knocked his front wing end plate, and it basically chainsawed his floor. And that was pretty much as good as his weekend got. Um, because in real Ferrari fashion, the only thing that could have possibly countered Charles Leclerc making the right call to pit on lap one, which would have got him into, I would believe it would have been about a net third place, could only be countered by Ferrari standing in the pouring rain, not even imagining a switch to uh, wet weather tires. Couldn't even conceive a switch to enters. Always the way. I mean, I I don't even know where to start with them. They're so so poor. It's it's weird how they were so poor, but also at the same time, like their bad day on track wasn't really on behalf of the team this time around because Charles Leclerc. Look, don't get me wrong. The punishment probably didn't fit the crime of how he nudged Norris right. on the opening lap. He'd lost the, the end plate on his front wing. But the here's, here's how bad luck Ferrari is in the haunts, in the land of the haunts. The end plate fell off. It went under Charles's car, and then it completely wiped Can't out open. his floor. Can't open his floor from underneath. Um, <sighs> Just bad luck for Charles more than anything else. I know, like, 99 times out of 100, you get away with that. You you want to talk about some bad luck. Like, Logan Sargent oh, made Q3 oh. for the first time. Then he crashes, and you just think, well, that's Logan Sargent being out of his depth. We get to the race, and then he crashes, and then it turns out that one wasn't even his fault because his power steering just failed. Yeah, big hydraulics failure that, that caused that. Joe Guanyu having arguably his best race in Formula 1 to this point, gets caught out in the second monsoon. Yeah, ends up uh, retiring underneath the Tech Pro. He went off in a big way. 19G um, impact into the wall on that. He was running third early on because Alpha nailed the initial switch to enters um, on lap one. RJ? Oh, what's up? Talking to buddy. Why do the racing gods hate Yuki Tsunoda? It was, a, it. It, was, it was a tough weekend. And, and like it start it was starting off kind of decent. Makes Q2 in the Alphatari. Gets a three-place drop from impeding Lewis Hamilton. That stinks. You think it's gonna be better in the race? It doesn't. He finishes 13th on the road and then gets cut a time penalty for causing that, a collision. That doesn't unpack how we got here because Alphatari nailed the switch to enters and then took about 15 hours to change his tires. He should have been. He should have been th- third on the road behind Perez. He was the mm-hmm. first car in behind Perez. They called it perfectly, and then at a disastrous first pit stop, he's still running okay. He's still running in solid points. And mid race, AlphaTauri sees the rain on the radar. Everyone else starts to f- come in for their second dry stop, and they leave him out on slicks, and he just rotted on the vine from there. Yeah, they had the opportunity. The they rain an, came way too late. They had an opportunity to either un, undercut Lando Norris or respond to the fact that Norris behind him was coming in. This was in the fight for eighth place. They hung him out to dry, and he was going a second a lap slower after his tires were dead. Um, the didn't rain have, came the ten rain laps came. too late. Yeah, it just didn't work out in the end. And and yeah. then he got a, a, a hilariously horseshit penalty for contact with George Russell, which was basically like it didn't affect either car. Neither car went offline and he got a penalty for that. Yet when Norris and Russell clashed moments later, which effectively ended Russell's race, that didn't have a penalty. And don't get me wrong. I don't think that should have had a penalty either. No. But come on. I need, I need to give this man a hug and some hot cocoa. <laughs> just just horrible luck for Yuki Sonoda. That was one of his better drives in F1 once again. It was running in a potential eighth place. And, yeah, gets nothing to show it for it. should have been even better than that. 
Yeah, yeah. That it, initial pit stop. Yeah, the, the execution on AlphaTauri was just absolutely lacking, unfortunately. It's a real shame. You know um, what's crazy out of all this is that Pierre Gasly finished third. There are signs of life at Alpine, and I'm guessing there are some people that are going to think, well, this completely justifies all the bullshit that we, the, all the changes that we had to make to get to this point. No, it just means Pierre Gasly was very, very good on this day in the wet conditions. Yeah, That's Pierre fine. Gasly was brilliant on Sunday. You know, it, it's weird with this Alpine. It's like every five or six races they show up and you think, huh, this car isn't half bad. And then they go back to being incredibly mediocre and or Well, unreliable. to be fair, this is not a power track. No. Yeah, and but even then, I mean, given what we know about their power unit, they're probably 35 to 40 horsepower down on the field. That affects how much downforce you can tack on without a, pe- a, a straight line speed penalty. So uh, it, it's weird. It's like with Ferrari and Alpine, you've got two entities that have put Ferrari has put all of their stock into horsepower. They put all of their XP into horsepower. Alpine put all of their XP into chassis. And they've nearly ended up with the same number of podiums out of it. Yeah, well, Alpine now only have one less than Ferrari after all of this. Um, they now have two, two and a half if you want to include Gasly's sprint podium that he got in Belgium just before the break in the first place. The same weekend that they said um, to Otmar that, you know, maybe our project ideas are different from from yours and uh, told him to kick rocks. Um, mm. And like by the time this episode goes out, they might have changed senior management again. Um, but allegedly, they're still waiting for, Mat- for Mattia Bonotto's gardening leave to finish before he ends up taking that gig full time. Allegedly. Now, if we can pause there. for yeah. just a second. Mm. You just watched the conflagration that was Ferrari from 2019 to 2022. And you think that's our guy. I, f- I always find it funny that people started to feel sorry for Bonotto at the end of 2022, and I was sitting here like, push him out the door already. Like, you're praising him for bringing him back to the team that he had originally inherited in 2019 when he got the job in the first place. He had the second best car in F1 in 2019 when he took the job on, and he was getting praised after sinking them to midfield levels and then bringing them back to being second again. Let's keep him. No, sod off. You dropped, you fumbled a huge bag. A huge Let's bag. Let's forget, this, this current Ferrari, this train wreck of a car, uh, <laughs> given their resources, given you know the, the power they have, um, this is the final, more or less the final vestige of the Benato regime because Ferrari admitted before this race, they are throwing this entire car away and starting over for 2024. Yeah, it's an entirely new project. Yeah. It yeah. better work. Carlos Sainz Jr. is already starting to look at other offers, and I don't want Charles Leclerc to finish his career as the Sisyphus of this generation. I'm going to be real. <laughs> uh, you know, we talked about a lot of people who profited or didn't profit in the rain. We haven't talked about the other Red Bull yet. Check out. Oh, he, he was does looking, it to himself. He was looking good for a comfortable second, which is exactly what the man needs right now. Just some comfortable seconds to get people to shut the fuck up about him and realize that he's fine for next year. And yeah. don't get me wrong, this is not all on Checo. He was a little bit unlucky in how the rain played out. I'll give him that. And the red flag was very unfortunately timed. He was kind of, he had his blushes spread because race control reordered the field anyway. So they, they went back a lap on that. But to spin out and hit the wall and then speed into pit lane after hitting the wall on the way in um, and then getting a five-second time penalty for that, which dropped him off the podium and ended up, ended up with him in fourth. He's just chucking points away again. It's just like, oh, Checo, no, why? No, Stop. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you, you brought it up. He, he was the first one into the deluge because about, about half the grid went off. I mean, Lewis went flying off. Joe crashed. Zenoda. Zenoda went off. Um, Signs. Signs went off. Both Alfa Romeos actually went off, I think. Yeah, Bottas um, went off as well. Yeah, he was just the first one to hit it. Um, birthday boy, and, Valtteri Bottas. Birthday boy, Valtteri Bottas. Congratulations. You get nothing. Um, But 
for me, it's not it's not being four seconds off of Max on one lap. It's not the performance gap because actually in the dry they were relatively you know close. In yeah, they're, they're this reason, the Paris is reasonably close in race trim at least. Yeah, it's the silly shit. It's the speeding into pit lane. It's the speeding into pit lane to go along with like five consecutive track limit violations at Austria. Um, binning the car in Monaco first thing in Q1. It's like, dude, you're trying too hard. It's somewhere deep in the Mexican's head. He's probably got it in his head that he still thinks he can win the title. <laughs> he's not. He's not. It's, it's, it's not going to happen. Nor like, is that what he's there to do as much no. as we would all love that to be the case because on the current competitive landscape, it is Red Bull and it is everybody else. And look, Christian Horner can make all the excuses he wants to make regarding Checo and the Verstappen undercut that happened early on in that race that put Max back in front. You could say that, oh, we it, it, it would have been coming back from a 1-4 and that would have been worse if he had done so. I don't care what you tell me. If Max Verstappen is comfortably leading that race, there is no fucking way you're making that call. Not a hope in hell. I don't I care what I think he, he more me. or less said it with a sly grin. Yeah, I, I swear. I swear he knows what I knows. He knows what he's saying at this point. Um, yeah, of course he does. It's Christian Horner. It's, it's, it's and like he knows how to work the crowd, brother. He he knows how to work the crowd. That's exactly it. And he's working the crowd, and the crowd are lapping it up. Yeah, there is no way he makes that call with, with with Max in front. If Max was the man in front, he, mm. it's a it's a marriage of convenience in with, with the reasons and how that race played out. Well, in a weird way, like this is almost a, a recent trend with Red Bull, where they usually pit the car behind first anyway. It's like, it's, it's a throughout it's a the convenience season. It's excuse. what they've been doing. Yeah, it's it's. It, yeah, because it happened in Belgium. They they, they let what Perez come in first. Yeah, it happened this race when they pitted Perez um, when the initial rain came down on lap one. They do have a tendency to do this, but in this case, it saved them from a whole you know radio call of telling Perez to get the fuck out of the way because it was going to happen. Of course, he was like in that in that state of play. Max was a second the lap faster than Perez. And was gunning him down at a rate of knots. It was it was going to be inevitable that it would told Perez to step aside. And Perez, as much as I love and appreciate him, he has got to understand that he is a number two in that system. He like there is there is no body of evidence in his time at Red Bull to suggest he deserves equal treatment. He just doesn't. And that's no disrespect to him. It's just you, you are dealing with a generational talent in his prime who can win any given race on any given day on paper in the car that he's in right now. That's just how it is. And that's, yeah. that's no disrespect to him. It's just, it's, it's just the situation. Like, don't it's get like, me wrong. It's like Dre. How many, hmm. how many like really great hitters on the Los Angeles Dodgers would be the number one option in anybody else's lineup that they have to hit uh, behind Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman at the other, every other game? There's, <laughs> there's like three or four in our team like Will Smith who could easily be a leadoff hitter in another team right now but you've got Betts and Freeman who have been incredible this season you know they're two of the three National League MVP contenders like Perez right. would be a fantastic driver in, in 80% of the teams in the field right now it's just he's in the one team where you've got to deal with him that's a moment well, and what you're more or less yeah well what you're more or less looking at is a repeat of what we saw with Mercedes in 2020 where what is it, Bottas uh, 2000 professional that season? And he came in and he just starts getting seal clubbed after like two races. And then he just starts overdriving and he starts throwing points away. And we're more or right. less seeing a repeat of that just because Bottas couldn't deal with Lewis when Lewis was on a, a ruthless streak in the W11. Right now, we've got Max on a ruthless streak in the RB19. It's same gravy i mean we've been talking a bit about like how you know these one-sided dominant seasons are par for the course of formula one i think that should also extend to like the top teams that have two drivers that have the opportunity to fight each other for championships because that's uh, the exception not the Hamilton norm and rosberg is usually the exception mm. yeah i mean well look um at least perez won races this year 
Mark Webber didn't win shit in 2013. No, he was he was winless on the year, wasn't he? He was winless on the year while Vettel was running rampant. And yeah, Vettel won. Off, I want to say it was 11 races that year. 13. 13. I got I got I got 11 and 13 mixed Under up. Underestimated your own man's. <laughs> I know, isn't isn't it wonderful? You're, you're the you're the Vettel statistician here. I know. Like I I, I always. Me. Trust me, I relate to underestimating the abilities of your favorite driver. It happens a lot with me. I get 11 and 13 mixed up all the time. It's a good problem to have. Um, but uh, we've not even talked about Alex Albon so much. Yeah, I want to talk about him as well. Alex Albon, is driving, he, he's driving the nuts off this Williams. Holy shit, this boy's Dre, nice. what'd you Dre, what'd you mention that at the start of the season, he said he wanted to be a better last this is yeah. a much better last. This is not a much better last. This is because such it's a better silly. last. It's not last. Like, <laughs> on a read this on a high downforce circuit, low aero efficiency importance. Both Williams make Q three. Alex Fair. Albon is looking like a threat for pole at one point. Right, like this. This was the first time since Monza twenty seventeen that both Williams made Q three. That was the Lance Stroll front row start weekend in the uh, pissing rain. In the pissing rain at Monza, that was um, the year that both Williams had a chance to win at Baku. Yeah, that, that was Felipe Massa. Realistically, should have won that race. Right. In a weird, in a cosmic sort of way. In a, in a weird sort of way. Yeah, like like that was the first time both. Williams have made a Q3 in six years. It was the f- first American to start a Grand Prix in the top 10 since Michael Andretti in 1993. Um, that's how that's how long ago it's been. Like That also tells you how little opportunity Scott Speed and Alexander Rossi had to do in those cars. Pretty much. Look, if Alexander Rossi put that thing in Q3 in, 20, in 2015, I may have declared him the greatest racing driver who ever lived. Right. It, it, it was a lot. But, I mean, Alex Albon... I mean, RJ alluded to it. I like, I, I mentioned it because I, I have a regular column now on WTF1's website, and I dedicated my one post Sandvoort to Williams. And like, I remember that my first month on the job was preseason testing, and that was the quote Alex Albon said to Scott Mitchell at the race that our, our aim for the year. And James Vowles had barely started at Williams at this point. He just said, "We just want to be a better last." They had eight points last year, and in a, I'd argue, a more point disadvantage environment this year than last year, they already have 15, and they've all been scored by Albon. I said like, four point scoring finishes, and only one of those is 10th. You know, a 10th, yeah. a 7th in Canada, which is phenomenal. I mean, the, the, un, the un, unbreakable wall of Albon. Um, and then laps on the hard that day. <laughs> yeah. And then eighth in Britain, eighth here. I mean, this car does have genuine upside. It does have scenarios where it can not only like scrape points, it can score decent points. This Malbon yeah. was driving the nuts off of it in Q3 to put it as high as he did. Yeah. Fourth, like he, this was a guy that spent two years in a Red Bull. And he had never qualified as high as the, as the higher than the fourth place he did for Williams this weekend, which says a lot about not only about the state of play at the time, but also just how far Alex Albon has come as a driver since then. Yeah, like he is a completely different. You know, it's it's the thing I've said about Gasly and his yeah. time at Red Bull. Albon this year has taken a leap forward. Um, because, and even then, like it could have been better. I mean, he threw, he threw the car away out of sixth in Australia. He could have legitimately, we, they could have been knocking on the door of 20 points thus far. Yeah. And he was running P six for the majority of this race was a little bit caught up by that second rainstorm at the end, still brought it home in eight, which is still a fantastic result for Williams. And like, they have cemented seventh place in the Constructors' Championship, and that would be massive. That would be massive for Williams in this terms of prize died. money. This team died three years ago. It, it was not and had su- to be brought it, back. It, it was not supposed to survive the pandemic. It had sold off everything left that it had had underneath it. It already it sold off it, itself. It sold off the engineering department, the lifeblood of that team. They sold off the engineering wing. They had put 
the historic car collection, which I have now seen in person. It is beautiful. Jealous of you, motherfucker. <laughs> it, 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 it is like I saw it when I did the, I did the, uh, the WTF one shoot there. I, I got I got a guided tour of the of, of the classic car collection. It is beautiful. Oh. Um, it is absolutely wonderful. Like I, I'm, I'm even more jealous of Katie, my old mucker over there, because she got to have a dinner inside the museum which is just the sickest shit imaginable um but i'd like, imagine they would not let you eat like mcdonald's takeout inside no, the cockpit i mean you look at the constructor's table right now and um the most apparent thing is the chasm at the top of the standings of course yeah. but um i mean it's not a big lead to haas but given how Haas has been getting on lately with uh, the classic upgrading the car and making it slower this weekend, uh, a, a true Haas special. Hulkenberg drove the nuts off that thing this weekend and finished Driver well. Driver contender, Nico Hulkenberg. Nico Hulkenberg is giving it the old college try, and there's just nothing more for that car to give. No, he can um, do no more. <laughs> but, I mean, realistically, given what we've seen on form so far, Alpha Tauri ain't catching them. No, no. And Alpha Romeo sure as hell ain't. Neither of the Alphas, Alphas are catching them. And I don't think that's the last time we see Williams score points. I think they can make this a regular every two or three race thing. On it's Monza form. next this weekend. Yeah, they've got a shot yeah. there. Definitely, they always go well at Monza. They have done for years. Even on in their form, darkest they might be times. fighting for a podium. <laughs> maybe, maybe let's, not go, maybe let's, let's not go too crazy here but no alex albon has been immense all year if you really want if you really want to read more of my thoughts on that go check out um the piece up on wtf1's website alex albon is the anchor that williams needs going forward he is good enough to anchor this team he has done a fantastic job at williams all year long and shout out to james vowels who has done exceptional work this year bringing this team into play pretty much straight away like um, probably said, probably in his probably own words, two right? years ahead of schedule <sighs> yeah in his own words right they basically designed this car without a technical director right because like, they, like, this is more or less a formula one car by committee and they have easily out designed the three teams behind them yeah Without um, easy, like yeah, and, and Haas can track their car out to Ferrari for the most part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty but at least they're them. gonna have Alfa Romeo sponsorship next year. No, but I agree. Williams are in a position where they can convince Albon to stay, and Albon is in a position where he can be the anchor of this team going forward. That's something that they couldn't have with Russell because, like with George, you knew that Williams was just gonna be a waypoint for Albon. It was borrowed, it was borrowed it, time. Yeah, for Albon, much different scenario. Um, on the topic of Team Fianza, Alphatari, Toro Rosso, Bulls Racing, or whatever we're calling them next year, uh, we had Liam Lawson make his Formula One debut in surprise fashion after Daniel Ricciardo broke a metacarpal in his hand in a Friday practice accident. Oscar Piastri had crashed up the road in front of him, and Ricciardo couldn't react in time and crashed in the back of him, breaking his hand. Lawson would go on to finish in 13th place ahead of Yuki Tsunoda on the road. Does, does this have an impact on Red Bulls, Soishis, and Shenanigans? And, and what did we learn out of this debut? Uh, not much. Not, not a whole lot. I mean, if you want to summarize it, um, yeah, Ricardo basically had the choice of hit Piastri's stricken car or hit the wall. He hit the wall, wrenched his hand, broke a metacarpal. Oh, so well soon. Yeah, yeah, wrenched his hand in the steering wheel. Um, already had the surgery for it. Um, Dr. Mir. Dr. Mir, the, uh, the savior of Lance Stroll's Bahrain Grand Prix, the fixer of many an upper body injury in MotoGP. Um, we know that Ricardo's going to be out for at least the next couple races. Yeah, Monza definitely. Um, Liam Lawson has already been confirmed. He will step in for Ricardo as long as it takes for him to recover. (laughs) Yeah. Um, As far as Liam Lawson, I think. Well, unfortunately, I think. I think first and foremost, we need to acknowledge (laughs) the fact that one of the most incredible streaks in racing has come to an end because Liam Lawson did not win in his first Formula One start. Damn it! (laughs) Shit! They should have put in Shane Van Gisbergen. 
Damn. Um, um, yeah. Lawson started last. Honestly, not that bad in qualifying, given the lack of running time. And the running time he got was in the pouring rain in FP3. Yeah, for um, him, it was just a matter of like... He didn't crash. Don't crash. Don't be embarrassingly slow. He That's all you can expect on like less than 24 hours notice. Yeah. Right. He was perfectly adequate. And thanks to the uh, comedy of errors that consumed Yuki Tsunoda's race, he ended up beating Yuki's first time running. <laughs> um, I, I go screaming into the distance. Uh, yeah, he was fine. But at the same time, like, we're going to get more of a real picture when he has a full weekend in the car this weekend at Monza. Full time to actually set up the car to his liking. We'll see where it goes. Yeah, I've got to follow up from very, Cam on, very on that minimal one. minimal sample size. Yeah, the sample size is far too small to make big sweeping conclusions yet, but for an emergency standing, that was about as much as you could reasonably hope for. Um, he was he, his, his pace was competitive um, alongside the field. He didn't embarrass himself out there. And he like, P13 for Alpha Tauri is a competitive result. No question. I on a weekend where he had numerous opportunities to embarrass himself because of the amount of shenanigans throughout the race. Right, like... He did you fine. You could not have dealt Lawson a worse hand in terms of weekend conditions. Like, you gave him 24 hours notice to get ready in a car in a track that had every degree of condition you could possibly throw at it from dry to unsafe, dangerous levels of wetness. And he in, did... in a car that we know has actual, like, real mechanical issues with its brakes in rainy conditions. Right. We saw it with Sonoda in uh, Monaco earlier this year. A couple um, times last year with uh, Gasly. Yeah, absolutely. So, so Someone could... actually mentioned it. Uh, sorry to interrupt. Uh, no, no. This has been, like, like since Monaco, we've had a rain-affected session pretty much every weekend. This is one of, like, the wettest seasons in recent memory climate change is a bitch ain't it yeah uh, it's crazy. yeah like like in britain we did not have a summer it was just like oh it's mild <laughs> oh it's raided again in august lovely uh, here, here in uh here in new england uh for those of you who don't know um i own an old corvette with not entirely intact weather stripping oh that's good. an ongoing project well it's a good thing it's only rained twice this summer once for 21 days and one for 33 days Oh, yeah, good moment's <laughs> a bitch, ain't it? So, like I said, yeah. you, you you could not have given Lawson a worse set of circumstances for an F one debut. It was about the worst hand you could have possibly been dealt, yeah. and he didn't embarrass himself. That's as much that's, as you can reasonably ask for. Did yeah. a great job, yeah, great he job. Did, he did fantastic. You know, that's why he's the Red Bull Junior team's number one prospect. You expect that kind of performance, and I expect more over Monza. <sighs> Although. It, it, depending on the time frame, Ricardo's injury, this might cost him a shot to win a Super Formula title, unless Nick DeVries unenrolls at Harvard and like, you, are you sure you want to come back to this? And I don't think he does. Yeah, um, and all things considered, Lawson's title hopes in Super Formula took a little bit of a hit, which is to say, a hit going end over end with other cars going over one another. Yeah, uh, as, as in, in the words of uh, Matt Pat, he did an Aerolon roll. Not ideal. Um, but uh, he, yeah, Lawson was fine. And that's and that's a good job. All you can Lawson. ask. Uh, absolutely. And, and Yuki um, Sonoda continues to be, you know, the guy holding it down in AlphaTauri. If they if they release him for performance reasons, they are on crack. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm inclined uh, to agree. <laughs> I, I would I would tend to argue Yuki Tsunoda this year should probably have quadruple his points total. He's had to work real hard for just the three points he's already had this year, as it is. And, um, I mean, there's, there's a handful of 11th place days alongside that as well that's worth considering. But, uh, yeah, Lawson's been great. I don't think it, it's, it's a shame for everybody involved at AlphaTauri because you brought Daniel Ricciardo back specifically to evaluate how good a driver he still was, and now he's going to miss at least two races via a freak injury. Um, in Formula 1, you don't get these sort of medium-level injuries very often where it's like a broken bone that will put you out for a round or two. That's a lot more common in 
two wheels and it is four. And now Ricardo's going to miss at least two of those 10 races he was brought back for in the first place, maybe more depending on how well his hand recovers. We'll have to wait and see. Of course, wishing Daniel the very best. Oh, yeah. um, but uh, just just unfortunate for everybody involved that uh, the the evaluation of what Red Bull has has just, just gotten even murkier um, as, a, as a result of... Uh, all of this shenanigans because that's what Zandvoort does it produces shenanigans and that was pretty much a story this weekend annoyingly probably the best f1 race of the year so far um which via sheer unfiltered chaos just add water just add water between that and monaco i would argue has been the two best f1 races we've had so far this season and uh when you think of tracks that are catastrophically impossible to race on even in the dry, Zanvoort was surprisingly racy. Like, there was a fair amount of overtaking around there. Like, I know it was only really in turn one, but you could pass at Zanvoort. So fair play to them. They made, they, made, they, made, they made the most out of a, on paper, should be a terrible track for racing. And yeah, it was actually, I'd say even without the rain, a decent F1 race. So yeah, the rain helped, um, even if it just made Max's win in the end all the more inevitable. But that's the running story of his season so far. Uh, hey, we're back this weekend. It's a doubleheader in Formula One this weekend. We've got the Italian Grand Prix uh, this weekend at Monza, the Festival of Speed, of course. And hey, who has seen Ferrari's brand new gear for this weekend? <laughs> it reminds me of... It reminds me of actual successful Ferrari programs in 2023. Maybe some of that can rub off of them. Who knows? Probably not. Is it, is it too late for the FIA to institute a BOP change for the Formula One regulations? <laughs> a, a Ferrari would need Glickenhaus levels of help to even have a prayer on that front. Um, I say, red, uh, rather than last year where Red Bull won with a medium downforce wing, they're going to show up with that 2010 McLaren F duct win. <laughs> you know the one. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I was gonna say that that new. Like, the is, I actually quite like the new Ferrari gear, but it also gave me big vibes of I'd have a Big Mac with with a ten piece McNugget if if you don't mind. Um, it's, it's kind of hard to get around that. Um, <laughs> oh, what Ferrari made the NASCAR playoffs? Yay! You love to see it. Go, Bubba! Yes, <laughs> he made the fucking playoffs. We love to uh, see it. Fuck that. We are all in on Roush Fenway Keselowski <laughs> out here NASCAR sixing these finishes. Oh, you'd love to see it. Right. Thank we'll you be... for listening to our NASCAR podcast. Of course, that was fun. Uh, we'll be back for F1 at Monza next week. We'll be doing the doubleheader of tapings of our own here because we're going to talk about IndyCar and Gateway in a minute because. Uh, Oh boy, that was uh, that was I would say interesting. We moments. let him cook again. We <laughs> let him cook again. Scott Dixon just won an oval race by twenty-two seconds. Um, that, is that, a, is, is that good? Of, and it's of no help for him in the t- in the title fight. Little, little to say the least. We'll we'll get into that next time around the Motorsport One One. But until then. I've been Dre Harrison. They've been RJ O'Connell and Cam Buckley. We'll see you back for the IndyCar review at Gateway. Until then, sayonara. Forever. 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 (laughs) Forever.